Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, hello and welcome to Food for Thought, Ooh. a Ooh. podcast gap fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, uh, culture, <laughs> what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, socially distancing from our moral center for five seasons now. <laughs> I, I have to object. What yeah. moral center? True. Okay. True. Also, I, this is coming from the most infuriatingly moral person. Yes. I'm so sorry. 100%. Just be bad, Joe. Never. Like, come on. No. Like, it's so boring to just like be good all the time. Yeah. All the time. Wants to be an angel, but is nasty when I he once needs to sneezed. Be, I didn't say excuse me and i had like catholic guilt for two and a half years that's, after that are it you is, one of those people that like when someone bumps uh, into you you say sorry i'm so sorry i'm so oh, sorry love yourself i was walking on, on the train platform one time and a guy bumped me into a moving train and i oh said sorry God. to him yes like fully <laughs> Here, here's, here's where no. this mask no. falls joe is an extremely aggressive driver that is true that is so wow. true. being in the car Damn. with joe is assault Yeah, you become aggro dad. The way Teams holds on to that little handhold above the thing. White knuckles. White knuckles the whole time. I can't be in the front seat. I have to be in the passenger side because I'm like, I'm getting a a front row seat to my death. Like, I don't want to watch it happen. And truly, the thing is that Joe loves to drive. So, like, like, we can all be like, oh, we'll drive. We'll drive. I'll take over. And Joe is like, oh, I'm good. I've got this. And the thing is, here's the thing about me. I don't really want to be living. And also, I think a car crash would be not the worst way to die. I think it would be so a really bad way to die. I disagree. The faster so you would drive, late, the faster the car die. crash death is, the, be- the easier it is to die. Princess Die would disagree with you. <laughs> wow, Lady of Wales. We are two minutes into the show and, and we are in Princess Die discourse. Yeah, true, true, true. I am so happy wow. I didn't even back. watch The Crown and I know that was all about that. Um, <laughs> yo, anyway. <laughs> Welcome to season five, everybody. We're back in the you. studio Ooh. in person. Wow. We can all say T-H-O-T at the same time. Yeah. T-H-O-T. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll yeah. see how it goes. Damn it. Yeah, and we can all smell Joe again, yes. which is great. Yes. Which is the, the best thing. Uh, the best thing ever. Some things are not better in person. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, with it, staying together, doing well, thriving. I mean... <laughs> my, my, All of us just looked so sad. My, my, my bowel movements are thriving. Oh, like, oh my okay. god! I'm just gonna that say never a sorry to the people in the booth. If Joe has to shit at any time during the session, yeah, he he will run out and <laughs> we'll know first. Later, We're the canaries in the mine. <laughs> he's gonna start farting. The and canaries <laughs> in the mine. I mean, it's truly like Joe. You should have this checked out. <laughs> I doctor. You really, yeah, just have no regard for the people it's around. Really Level. What is your biome like in there? <laughs> but I will say, excuse me, after I fart <laughs> so bad. You, I've said this before. You, you should be studied. Yes, yes. Because 
It's gross. Mm. Anyways. Anyways, welcome back. I am Tommy (laughs) Teebs, Pico, indigenous American poet, screenwriter, TV writer, uh, all of the things. And my mutant power is that I can swallow a hot dog in one gulp. Oh, wow. Wow. A corn dog, in fact. Wow. A corn dog. We will test this theory later this afternoon. Later at High Tops, Mm -hmm. we will put you to the the test. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer. And we are here in person, and I'm raw dogging oxygen with these assholes. <laughs> Nature is healing. <laughs> raw dogging oxygen. That's really funny, actually. Um, I'm Fran. I'm a writer. I'm an editor. And this season, my ass is back with a vengeance because Fran with a flat ass, that was a shtick. And now it's no longer true because Mama gained some weight and she's packing. So fuck all of you. She does have some drunk in the trunk, y'all. It's real. It's very, very real. Um, Fran worked very hard on this. And everyone, my name is Den Michelle, and I'm a reader, a writer, a former figure skater, and I am a black trans woman. Hi! Ah! Um, quarantine has brought some changes to us all as it turns out yeah some changes i mean came out as trans (laughs) i have a huge ass like you know we all we all go through exactly the same (laughs) (laughs) yeah you are very consistent which we appreciate (laughs) um but but you know Dan came out to us earlier this year. I think we were just really excited. And I'm just so happy that we can share the news with y'all now. And that this is just, you know, the girl we always knew. You know, it's been been a journey. And the truth of the matter is that even when I was telling people that I was non-binary a few years ago, I understood that um, that might just be where I was for the moment. And that Mm -hmm. gender is a thing that um, is often moving and shifting and we'll talk about that a little bit later but um yeah so i'm here i'm excited um to share this journey with you in the in the world and mostly my thoughts who are some of the first Aww. people who knew about this i'm not really gonna hug you because i am so sweaty right now you yeah. are very sweaty very it sweaty. is sweaty. true it is true Stay away welcome back her. welcome back so glad to be in person so proud of you the moral of the story is some things change and some things stay the same. That's right. <laughs> Still sweaty. Speaking of which, what do we got on the menu for today? Yes, this is our gender bender episode mm. where we dig deep into gender and identity and changes. Uh, and we're going to start off with a delicious game of homonym. Love that. And end with getting a little physical. Ooh. Let's get physical, physical. I'm never going to sing again. Okay. Take it away. I'm feeling a little peckish, so we should start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease. Our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse our Booshes, Fran has got the sausage today. That's right, Booshes. Oh, wait, not wait. that. <laughs> Tommy, you are so disarming when you say that. Um, but anyways, if you are not familiar with this game we call homonym, it is when we take some, you know, some things that have similarities, some similar sounding names and things, and we decide amongst us which is the most homosexual. AKA the best. <laughs> AKA the best. Or maybe honestly the, the worst. worst. Probably yeah. the worst. Yeah. 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 The best yeah. or the worst. Um so okay, let's let's do a little practice round here. Olivia Rodrigo. Uh-huh. Olivia Jade. 
or <laughs> Olivia Coleman. What about Newton John? <laughs> no, we don't know. I mean, it's too obvious. That would have made, it, that made it, it too easy. Too easy. <laughs> too easy. Okay, Den just told me who Olivia Jade is. I actually didn't know. <laughs> I'm Googling yes. right now. No, okay. the whole thing is that yeah, I... Yeah, what's the T? What's the T? So I confused Olivia Rodrigo with Olivia Jade. Olivia Jade is the daughter of Lori Loughlin. <laughs> Of the, the college admissions oh scandal. Yes, of the college yes. admissions scandal. The five foot two girl who was a, a crew rower. Yes. yes, that's right. I was like, oh, the girl's trying to sing now. Okay, <laughs> well, I guess get it. I don't know. No, Proud not the same person at all. Like, we're actually trying to do something for herself. Hope it's not a Millie Vanilli situation. Wow. Where, like, Olivia Rodrigo has, like, I, I, I don't know, the faggots have anointed her the queen of pop, which, like... I mean, some of the stuff kind of slaps, not going to lie. But, <laughs> I mean, but it slaps in like a confessions of a teenage drama queen kind of way. Which we're not mad at. But I will say um, it is like, I think that the answer is Olivia Rodrigo because, you know, she did have her heart broken by a gay man. Which and fair, I feel fair. like that, you that's know, very is gay. very gay. I mean, And I also yeah. she has a lyric in this new album that's like, uh, and I'm not cool and I'm not smart and I can't even parallel park. Which, which gays can't drive. Yeah, no. famously, 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 famously. Yeah. To the left joke. of me is a prime example of a gay who cannot <laughs> fucking drive. I Although he thinks say, he can. He thinks he can. I want to say that I would like Olivia Coleman to peg me until I am no longer standing. Absolutely. Until she's... I cannot walk for days. Yeah. I want her to peg me until my asshole is ripped open and I'm in the hospital. Yeah, she was so, I mean, in the favor. She's good in so many things. She was and she's terrific well. in she's the favor. So All she wanted to get was her bunny rabbit. Uh, 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 <laughs> massaged in that movie. She just wanted to get her and bunny rabbit massaged. She was Don't also the first person to launch gay rights, celebrity saying gay rights as like a thing. She was the first person to do it. She Wait, Olivia Coleman invented gay rights? Yes, she literally did. <laughs> she, threw, she threw the first brick at Stonewall. Okay, so it sounds like we're at, you know, at a little bit of a tie there. But next up we have, speaking of bunnies, bunny, bad, comma bad, <laughs> bunny, Comma, lady. Bunicula. Oh, oh love it. Oh, oh my God. Bunicula is like our low-key mascot. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all are not familiar with Bunicula, it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like a millennial generation book, mm. if I dare say that, about a vampire bunny. Yeah. yeah. Teeth, and it would it. leave like little claw marks or little teeth marks in, in carrots. Right. Yeah, it would <laughs> suck yeah. the juice out of carrots. And it just had red eyes. I mean, what were those books about? They filled books with Bunicula. <laughs> so like, many books. We were so bored. <laughs> <laughs> True. This is the first thing that made me know I wanted to suck dick, honestly. I, so it is gay? <laughs> I think it's very gay. It's an interesting takeaway, Dan. You, want, you wanted to it's leave true. like two I, fang marks in a dick? Like a and, I, and I'm not going to say that I haven't. Oh, I also oh. have, on the other side, pivoted our social media strategy to Bad Bunny fan account against uh, the will really of a lot of people on this yeah. podcast. Really <laughs> but I'm giving the people what they want. Are you? Yes, I am. You are just out of culture and you're anti-Latinx. Oh my Bunny, but Bad Bunny is not gay, but he's a total fag, right? He's a fag gut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the bottom. Um, actually, a friend of mine recently sent me an amazing photo of Bad Bunny and that, like, you know, that V down in the pelvic area. I don't, like, don't know what it's the called. The cum gutters. Like, cum yeah. gutters. And I was like, ooh, okay. My pussy just twitched. I'm here for it. Ooh. We're ready. Same. We're ready. And, yeah. And I that mean, was when Den figured out who Bad Bunny was. That's right. <laughs> truly. Truly. <laughs> After many, many texts from Fran, I still didn't know. Still didn't know. And on the flip side, I feel like Lady Bunny is, I mean, she Icon. Kind of, I think I she kind of yeah. sucks. I, no, oh. I think she's kind of dated, oh. and I oh. one time I like her. One time I saw her perform at Drag at this really bad gay pool party, and um, 
it was really like the worst. bad before gay pool party. We understand <laughs> that's redundant. That's redundant. Yeah. Um, it was like the worst performance I've ever seen. Oh wow! And uh, she said some racist things. Oh no! Which canceled? Think, yeah, but she is kind of an icon as well. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Demi Lovato, mm-hmm. Demi sexuals mm-hmm. demagogues demagogues, <laughs> demagogues. <laughs> are demagogues gay no authoritarians are so it's, gay it's, they're yeah, so no. gay Yo, Stalin, down at the foot of the Stalin, that girl carry look, look mm-hmm. Gaddafi's outfits i am so sorry they are total you know it's like the gays at the gym you know what i'm talking about like the really rigid gays yeah. at the gym yeah. they're total fascists like oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. And I love there are them. a lot of fascist gays because fascism is politics without politics is just aesthetics which is gay yeah which is gay and <laughs> also i mean a lot of demagogues like are really concerned with their appearance like 100 oh, we think about the platform shoes yeah. and we think about the very trimmed facial can, hair can he gotta be tall yes you gotta have a nice line yeah lines it's all about lines <laughs> what so, about demi moore demi moore is not on the list <laughs> that's the game the game is you pick from what's on the list i also want to be pegged by demi Moore. that's that's nice that's nice she's spectacular also though shout out to demi lovato who recently disclosed as non-binary right by them pronouns demi lovatics for a fan Oh my god. That's a good joke. Fred, That's a good joke. Fred, you had that We're teed up. We're teed up. Fran had that teed up. Fran I, wrote that at home. No, I, 12 <laughs> minutes in, I've quit. I've already quit. You, it took you 12 minutes to get me to this page. I just want to read the um, the, def, the dictionary, the Webster's Dictionary definition of demagogue, a political leader who seeks support by appealing to the desires and prejudices of ordinary people rather than using a national argument. And that is very gay. Uh, <laughs> is so a gay. structural people pleaser yeah. <laughs> needs to be liked. Please. Okay. Okay, glad we landed on that. Um, okay, let's see. Um, Fleet Foxes. <laughs> Fleet, comma, Navy. Oh, yes, that's gay. Yes. And Fleets. And also, can we talk about Twitter fleets? Oh, yeah. no, we cannot. We have, no, we cannot. <laughs> no, no, no. I worst. can't believe how thoughty they are. Well, they have to be. They, ha- they have to be. Yeah. I mean, it, on, on, my porn all, on my porn all, the fleets are really good. The fleets yes. are so good. What are you talking about? A porn. Uh, so my, I have a porn all. I've talked about this before. Yeah. I have another Twitter account where I just follow porn accounts. I know what a porn alt is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, Jesus, bitch. Oh, we're not new. <laughs> Twitter created den. Twitter created their version I created of stories. One. It's, it's a few weeks stories. ago. I stories one. for Twitter. Yeah. But because there's no, you know, there's no porn you can stuff. you can do X rated X on Twitter. There's so much porn. Oh, I put, oh, I put my ass on fleets sometimes. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. But anyways, the answer is Navy fleets. (laughs) (laughs) Navy fleets are homosexual. (laughs) And as we all know, I love a man in uniform. And also, and a man who can swim. Not the ones who are paid to kill, Dan. Not the ones who are paid to kill. They're not paid to kill. Of course they are. Oh my God. It's a war machine, Dan. I just think of them as like sailors. No, no, no. Producer Alex, we cut that. We cut that. I mean, sorry to play Joe here, but. Uh, we have said on the podcast before, gays should not be using fleets like for their I douching. Love, that it's bad for me. Sailing is bad. It's, it's, it's bad. bad for me, but I love it and it's I do true. it anyway. Mm. No, no, no. It's like smoking for me. I know it's bad it for is. me, but no, no, no. the pH of your asshole mm-hmm. is going to be all Did wrong. Did you fleet yep. today before the studio? No, I don't. I don't have to fleet in the morning. Right, because you just shit nine yes, times. Yes. Literally nine times. Yes. How many um, times have we mentioned Joe shitting already? Too many. <laughs> 
Um, okay. Um, <laughs> Wendy Williams hmm. or Wendy's Frosties? Frosties. I love Wendy's Frosties. Really? But they are dairy and that can be homophobic. Right. And on the flip side, have y'all seen that video of Wendy Williams farting and burping at the same time yes. on live air? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. You should it is spectacular. This is the most joy I've seen on Tommy's face in years. <laughs> <laughs> that, the video of Wendy Williams passing out is pure camp oh, deliciousness. It's also kind of sad, She was so overworked. I mean, she's literally dressed up as the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> it is it is perfection. It is so Democracy good. dies in High darkness. <laughs> Democracy <laughs> dies in darkness. <laughs> you cannot make it up. Hate it's so that. good. Mm. Um, <clears throat> uh, Jackson Dominique or mm. Jackson, comma, Janet. Oh my God. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Janet has been auctioning off a bunch of her shit recently for like charities or something yes, or yes, maybe yes, just yes. for to line her own pockets. I don't know why. But I like, I... There are times I look above and beyond, and I just want to own all of that shit. Yeah, and you're looking at it, it and you're fabulous. like, well, that's like one whiting award. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm balling, but I'm not that yet. <laughs> goals. It's good to have goals. Yeah. yeah. I yes. mean, even though neither of these people are gay, I do think Dominique Jackson, like, serves camp. Hundred percent. Get the shoes, baby. Get the shoes. Get the shoes, baby. Get the shoes. Also, I mean, see, I don't know if y'all are watching season three, but episode three of season three is the Dominic Jackson vehicle, and it is yes, the best episode maybe of the entire show. It is spectacular, Mm, in my opinion. It is spectacular. I also want to add. I keep adding to the list, friend. I'm so sorry. Uh, Hey, you, Um, Jackson Pollock, which is you know when you have a little bit of a messiness after sitting on a dick. Yeah, pop art that looks like cum. Very gay. Yeah, love that. Love. I hate it here. Every day. Mm, it's time we got to the meat of our discussion, the thought process, the T H O T. T H O T. Oh, I still missed it. We you did. still missed it, Dan. I did. I, I did. <laughs> Wait, but did I? I don't know. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Den, give us our meat this week. <laughs> yes. Sling that meat, Den. Yes. The only context in my life in which I ever sling meat, by the way. <laughs> um, so, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, a few years ago, I started telling close longtime friends one by one that I was non-binary. Um, when I told my friend Jay, who's now my roommate, we were sharing a cab uptown after a party. There was Jay staring at me with such intent and compassion as I slowly said, I have something to tell you. I'm trying to figure some things out that I've been getting at for a long time, and I think I'm non-binary, at least for now. And Jay sitting there in a fully beat face immediately said, oh my God, me too. The next day we grabbed dinner and as we let out all of this energy around something that we'd both only recently given ourselves permission to explore, Jay said something that I constantly hold on to to this day. This was like maybe four years ago and I still think of this all the time. Their therapist had said to them in a recent session, gender isn't fixed, it's dynamic, shifting, evolving, and for some people, ever in motion. That sentence continues to bring me so much peace and brought me so much peace during this pandemic, during this moment of collective quiet and deep reflection. And I want to explore this dynamism with you three, my dearest, darlingest thotties. Because even when our identities are consistent with what we're assigned with, what we're assigned at birth, all of us experience some variance between what we're told we are and who we actually are. Mm. So I'm wondering, what are some moments early in your life or more recent, when you became aware that your identity might not completely line up with what you were told you are. I remember it was on the bus. 
mm-hmm. and this girl. Uh, so the Indian kids had to get bus to this white school, and I remember this girl sitting across from me asked me, "Why do I act like a girl?" Mm. And my cousin Rainbow said, "Well, you know, there are tomboys. He's just a tom girl." Aww. And I was like, I gave it a name. I was like, "Yeah, I'm a tom girl." Like Aww. that was, and I was like, "Oh, this exists in my body. Like I'm not, I'm not different. That there just needed to be a term." And I clung to Tom Girl for a long. I mean, even when it was used by my cousins to make fun of me. But, so. <laughs> but you loved it. It felt affirming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first idea of like, I, because before I think I used to tell people I wanted to be a girl, but I realized that I just, I had a very rigid idea of what right. gender was and that I could, mm-hmm. I was still a boy, but I was a Tom, I was still, I mean, I was a Tom girl, you know, it was just, it was right. just a different iteration of, a, of, of, the, of, of myself. And that's yeah. a much better yeah. nickname than the other ones you had on the res. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which were loud face, fat girl. Uh, I had a, <laughs> Yeah, loud face was real though. Because I remember, I remember um, sneezing, and my cousin Dave was like, "Damn, you have a loud ass face." Now, after that, everyone just called me loud face. So I was like, "All right, I guess that's who I am." I used to, um, I I hit puberty very late, and my voice changed very late, and I always used to get misgendered both on the phone Mm, and in person. Me too, and I hated it mm. hated it it mm. made me feel because you know i grew up in a place of lots and lots of to- toxic masculinity and i was violently bullied for not being able to conform and i never mm. could conform um no matter how hard i tried but I, for, I feel like for me as i got older and into my 20s when people would mistake me for a girl i started liking it mm. and so that transition for me from being like having this repulsion at being misgendered to like actually liking it and then uh, one of my best friends and i um who also you know is just kind of a gender fuckery person we would like be like i got misgendered today and it would be like yay it's like so fun to confuse people mm. um so that i feel like is a journey that i've really um has healed me a lot of the like pain of the toxic masculinity in, in my childhood i've watched a lot of people in my family also get misgendered because on the res like a lot of the men wear long hair mm. And so I remember like vividly being a child and having someone tell my dad he was the ugliest woman he'd ever seen. Oh, you know? I want to fight that person. Oh, I, so I fucking horrendous. But also like Woo! because I used to be at the I used to I used to play Street Fighter at the arcade, this nickel place called Wonderland, and I just go in with like a few nickels and I would play all day because people wanted to play me because I was Chun Li and I kicked all their asses. Uh, yes. But I also had long hair and someone was like, damn, that girl's really good. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. she is. Yeah. Yes, she is. She, she don't really kick your can. ass. <laughs> um, I uh, yeah also have maybe some, like childhood like b- bullying like people yeah saying you sound like a girl why do you sound like a girl and like you know I I don't know if I ever came around to feeling like I could own it because it was always so pejorative and like bullying is like such a it was like it was really bad at my school but um I think my earliest memory is um I had written in my diary maybe i was in like second or third grade i'd written in my diary like i am a girl and i remember and i i think like when i think about that now i remember i think i was like confused about where my gender was and like why everyone was telling me i was like a girl and what i felt inside which was my innate queerness but i didn't have the language for it Mm -hmm. and I I was actually, I had my diary out for some reason in, like, music class, and some kid behind me saw it and, like, read it out loud to the entire class. And everyone made fun of me. I want to fight that person! So that that kind of kept me, for a while, 
for like you know thinking about my gender at all in general like it really kind of throw a wrench into the process mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. trying to come to terms or rather trying to come into your yeah. own yeah um but i mean i will also say like i think a early uh, or one of the first cognizance of like owning that was changing my name i've been i had been francisco my whole life and um after college uh, i i have never ever liked that name even when i was a kid i would tell people that i hated it um and i would try to figure out alt names or whatever and when i'm you know like after i moved to new york i started going by fran and the name feels like home oh mm. yeah wow yeah oh that's beautiful Aww. that part of that i love that yeah i mean i would say that similar to um the three of you you know, my childhood was filled with discourse around, oh, you're a girl, you're like a girl, you act like a girl, you sound like a girl, you walk like a girl, you throw like a girl. Um, and, you know, from a very young age, whenever I had to be, whenever we were split as kids, like into the boys and the girls, I always was like super, super uncomfortable being with the boys because I knew it wasn't the right fit. But I didn't, uh, similar to you all as well, I didn't have language Um or like a larger understanding of that. And I remember that I started, the very first time I really started writing creatively, I wrote, uh, I was in the sixth grade and I wrote like a, like I thought it was a novel at the time. It was like 50 pages in a, in a notebook, which for a 12 year old is That's impressive. That's a lot. And it's a lot. And um, I wrote it in the first person and my main character was a girl. And it was sort of inspired by this character, Lucy, on this show called Seventh Heaven. That was one of the only shows I was allowed to watch Aww. because it was kind of Christian. Love. <laughs> um, and so this but this was just a theme for me growing up. And when I went to an all boys high school, it was like that much more like emphasized, right, that I felt like I didn't belong in this very fundamental way. But by that time, I just thought, oh, I'm. I'm just gay. Like, that is what makes sense. And I think one area of confusion for one source of that confusion for me was that when my parents discovered that little book that I wrote when I was 12, and they, they did a whole bunch of prayer and took me to like other ministers because they were worried that I wanted to be a girl. Like, that's what they thought being gay wow. was. So I just thought, oh, I just am gay. Like, I didn't really think that I could be a girl. And then when I was 18 years old, I was friends with this guy who went to the public high school in my neighborhood. I was friends with him through some other friends. And we were just at the mall, I don't know, hanging out. And I was saying something. I don't remember what I was saying. And he was like, well, you might just be trans. Like, you might just be... This was like, in high school? Yes. I was... I was. It was when I was a senior in high school. Wow. And he was like, you might just be like a trans... He might have said a transsexual. Like, it was probably the language of, of that, that time. time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but he was like, you might just be a girl. Like, you might just be... Uh, like a transsexual and you might just like be in the wrong body. And um, that stuck with me for years. And mm. from that point, I've had pe long periods where I would try to think through this and figure this out. And so... Um, well, when a pathway opens yeah. up to you, you have the ability to imagine differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where language is so important, I think. And for me, that's where language has been so important for me. Like in all of this journey, a big part of it has been like, there's there's been language that I've had access to that I didn't have access to before. Honestly, before or, I was like 25 years or old, that didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the the language around um, identity and gender 
uh, has shifted in my lifetime so much. Well, and, so much. And the, these terms often get invented in academia and sort of trickle That's down. Right. Mm-hmm. I know that, like for example, the the term two spirit mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was invented at an academic conference in Canada in the eighties. Wow, really? that was meant to address the idea that there are extra gendered other sexual roles, non-binary roles for indigenous people in their communities. Like that's something I had to learn as an adult. Like I had to read anthropology texts from my tribe about my tribe and tribes in my area to understand that there were people with that, that, that had a different gender that were non-binary or that were, yeah, or, or that were trans or however we would describe them now and that they had a different social role in the tribe. And oftentimes those were the ones targeted mm-hmm. by missionaries mm-hmm. um, and uh, like interlopers and colonizers because and, – and imagine if the first – like the first people that they sick dogs on are your holy people. You know, in your tribe, you know, like what that does to a people, how that demoralizes a people, how that sows trauma into those people. But what I'm seeing in the young Native people is an embrace of this term mm-hmm. and the under, even if they don't know what that role was in their tribe, because a lot of our histories have been erased right. very deliberately, that there is like a, a, like a better understanding that like Christianity was imposed upon us. And that there is something older under that. Mm. And that I've seen the homophobia of wow. like my father or my brother's generation or my generation kind of like not take hold the same way in theirs. We're talking about, and I agree with that, like language is so healing and labels mm-hmm. can be home and identity can be this kind of like this like thing that can just complete your personhood. And all at the same time, to that point, like, it can also be limiting. It can also Mm -hmm. come from spaces that are not ours. Um, And I think that that's definitely true of a lot of um, kind of queer theoretical stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious to y'all, like, what some of the maybe drawbacks are. Or, like, kind of, like, things within, like, identity or where these terms come from that y'all think about sometimes. I think I think a lot about how how it's going to age us mm-hmm. or how our terminology is going to age us oh, yeah. and how we'll end up just pissing off younger people who have invented new things and that we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And I already don't know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you, know? you know, like I've had to look up so many people who were in the homonym game as we were like, as you were calling yes, their names 100%. off. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's who that is. Um, so so there there is that that fear um, because we're not always and are currently not the stewards of the language. It's it's being. And not in, it's it's being innovated constantly. Mm-hmm. That's what language and that's what concepts do. They're dynamic yeah. and they change. I mean, the way that Den put it in the intro, like the thing about gender is it's dynamic, right? right. Mm-hmm. And that as it finds new vessels, it will be labeled differently, right? And, and I, I think we have to be if we're going to be people who are on mics with voices yes. that people hear, we also have to listen as much as we're going to talk, exactly more I, than we're going to yeah. talk. And yeah. I've definitely seen some, especially white, gay or <laughs> queer elders, react very poorly Mm -hmm. to no longer being quote unquote, the most marginalized, Mm -hmm. right. To not being able to receive criticism for, from queer people of color or Mm -hmm. from trans people about the harm that their language does in real time now. Mm -hmm. uh, And, and then sort of react very regressively to that critique. And, you know, I, I never want to do that. I feel like the thing is sometimes it's very uncomfortable to have people come for you, but like being uncomfortable is one thing in you doing harm is one thing 
that you do to other people. And it's much more important to not do harm than to not feel uncomfortable. Something that I really came to terms with last year was like this understanding that all feedback is good feedback, regardless of whether that feedback is kind, constructive, or even true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like what Mm -hmm. Tube says sometimes, like what is the note behind the note? The note behind the note! You know, it's like, even though they're they're kind of wrong. Yeah. um, It's pointing somewhere. It's pointing somewhere. And it makes you think about it. Even if you you decide you disagree with the note, you have thought (laughs) about the note. And that process is often constructive. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously not, um, including like death threats in that, you know, but even that is information. (laughs) It's it's someone else's shame being projected on you. It is someone else's pain. It really sucks though. Uh, It 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 does suck. You'd have to take that feedback. Um, (laughs) um, uh, I was also going to say that to exactly to what you said, Joe, about like intergenerational kind of like misunderstandings. I totally agree. Like, I don't want to do that with Gen Z, but I feel like they're (laughs) lapping me. I know. Because, like, let me tell you, like, I personally, like, I haven't identified as a man for a while, but, like, I, 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 non-binary, like, that term is not home to me. Right. It is, however, culturally the most accurate way to describe Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And so, like, in that, like, I already see Gen Z totally discarding all gender labels point blank, period. And, like, Mm -hmm. people that maybe culturally we would call non-binary are kind of, like, what? No, hablo inglés. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, they, it, it's actually like not even cool sometimes right, right, to right, label right, things yeah, or right, to, right, which is right, not true, right. of course, for all of Gen Z, but yeah. a lot of the girls are like, they're like over it already. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, and I, I don't even know, I don't know where they congregate. I don't know. <laughs> you know TikTok, what I mean? TikTok like, teams. Yeah. I don't know their I language. I don't understand that. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know their, their, their shorthand. I'm just like, yeah. uh, I, there was a, a, a Gen Z, somebody in Gen Z reviewing one of my books and it was just like, I mean, there, it gets really cringe when he uses <laughs> stuff like LOL and I'm like, what? <laughs> it's, girl, it's, no one it's, uses LOL anymore. You know, Hate like, to tell you. And let me tell yeah, you, we Joe, we're, we're way beyond GIFs. They are no longer culturally relevant. I downloaded the GIF keyboard yesterday. Oh my God. What is it? 2010? Wait, a thing that I actually had before Ho. Oh my gosh. I mean, it is, it is, I, you know, I, I have always really struggled with, um, I identify as queer and I kind of almost take that on as a gender identity as, as well. That feels like a better gender identity to me than non-binary. I present as a cis person. Mm -hmm. And so it always makes me really uncomfortable to like take up space in the conversation about gender. But at the same time, I don't, uh, I don't feel an attachment to being a man. Being a man sucks. Um, I don't want to, but it's sort of like what, how people see me. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't really know what to do. I'm just like, I don't know what to do about that. I didn't, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I never wanted it. It was violent towards me as a child. It's been violent towards me as an adult. No, thank you, please. Um, but, you know, I, at the same time, I don't like, like Fran, non-binary doesn't feel quite right to me. Queer feels the rightest, mm-hmm. the most right. And I'm also attracted to people of all genders. Yeah. Um, and I really, um, I'm only going to be in relationships anymore where I feel like, someone is attracted to me no matter if I'm presenting more femme or more butch, which was really a lot of my exes. If I would wear nail polish or put on a sports bra or whatever, they would, they wouldn't stop me from doing it, but they would be like, I'm just not really that attracted to you when you dress like that or whatever. Not doing yeah. that shit anymore. Not, no. not, living we're not, life. we're not here for that anymore. No. We're not here for any kind of femme shaming. It's not a thing, but this is really like, 
one of the really exciting things about this moment in this conversation for me is just the idea that like two things can be true at once. And I feel like for all of the expansiveness and wonderfulness of language and the ways in which language can help us move forward in all of these ways, also it does have limitations. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we can't always find the right words to personify exactly who we are or what we are. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's really important that we also have space um, in that conversation, in my early conversations with my ther- with my trans therapist, uh, my therapist happens to be a wonderful, amazing trans woman, um, about my feelings around my gender dysphoria and identity and where I was. One of the things we talked about is that for so long in the conversation around being transgender, there's been this sort of national mythology about the idea that that the defining factor of that is, oh, I feel like I was in the wrong body, right. and mm. I was like, that's not mm. quite that's not quite how I have always felt. Mm -hmm. There are things that as I move forward, I think I may change about my body, Mm -hmm. but also um, there is space in being trans for folks who might be more cis presenting for folks who, um, who just are still sorting out where they might be in this and, and, and that they can go anywhere, you know? And that's sort of what, I think is so attractive about the idea of gender queer and queer as, as an umbrella term that includes Gender, all genders yeah. and gender expressions. Yeah, I also love the term gender queer. Love the term gender nonconforming for mm. myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Den, you're really getting at something that I think is so important to highlight, which is that, like, as a culture, it would be very queer of us to be a lot more fluid in how mm-hmm. we think about these terms and our identities, and more importantly, like. I think the reason I try to talk about it so openly, at least on this podcast, not really on my social media, but like that. Um, we should be allowed to um, not know, yeah. you know, yeah. we, sh- we should mm. be allowed to have our genders be an ongoing project. Mm-hmm. But if you are a public facing queer person, everyone's kind of like, mm-hmm. well, what are you? You know, yeah. yeah, like there is kind of that mentality around mm-hmm. that is the, the kind of, I think, the drawback of label culture, yeah. well, even though so, it is important. It's so human to want to know. Exactly, and to, you know, to name and to name. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like every <laughs> like the you know the map history, religion, all of it. Yeah. I mean, science. They're trying to name things Ooh, that science. we don't have answers to, yeah. and it's like there's just this pursuit of knowledge that's that seems that can be actually bad. Like it, it like th- I can understand the curiosity, but then curiosity to what? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think it's like, oh, if I can label this, then I don't have to think about it. Right, right, right. I definitely, so this whole conversation is making me think of something that um, we hadn't talked about before, but I think is really important, which is the, the it's making me think about the 20th century philosophers of language, particularly around colonization and race, and that language is not a neutral being. It has been made by, shaped by patriarchy, um, cis-heterosexism, capitalism, and racism. So the language we are given, the English language we are given, is baked into it racist sexist and transphobic like that the way it genders people so we can't it's important to make new language and to make more expansive language but then to understand that what we're given is already so fucking broken uh and it is not meant to name us and it is meant to it is or it is meant to name us in ways that don't that atomize our identities Mm -hmm. that make us less than we could possibly be and so i think just having that in the back of our minds that language baked into it is is all sorts of fucked up shit and that sometimes that process of not 
finding language for you it's actually good that means you are yeah. you are free <laughs> yeah. you are yeah. more free than the english language has meant you to be and that is a blessing and so i guess you know i have always felt really frustrated by not having language that fits me perfectly and it is totally like finding a home yeah. when you find a term where you're like that thing and it also makes you feel like other people might share mm-hmm. in some of your of your weirdness mm-hmm. and that is amazing but it also I'm I'm realizing that it feels good to not yeah. to not have a word to 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 feel unconfined by mm-hmm. centuries of a fucked up creation of a language meant only to dehumanize. Th- does yeah. that make you? Yeah. Would that make you feel isolated? I think it's fun to sit in rooms like this where I'm not alone in yeah. that, and I think mm-hmm. that's I'm I'm making a life and a queer family where we're all committed to not being men (laughs) no no one i know wants to be a man because being a man sucks it's kind of baked into being a man is is violence and power over it's like how baked into being white is violence and power over and and it i think jose esteban munoz calls it a disidentification so it's not it's like trying to take that away from you (laughs) just i don't want that shit i do not want manhood but regardless of what I want, I'm still in this body, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I was talking with Kenny and Alex about this, like regardless of what I want, I'm a six foot two man. Mm -hmm. I I can walk alone at night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's a privilege. I can't, I just, because I don't like what men have done doesn't mean I can't claim this is just how I feel yeah. about myself. I yeah. don't feel like I can disidentify with that because it comes with a set of privileges that I don't even always know that I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. This true. is, y'all are yeah. really getting at what I am like so excited to talk yeah. about. I like, I honestly, when you started talking, Joe, immediately I thought of that clip of Kamala Harris where she's like, I think we should have that conversation. You know what I mean? Like, that is kind of how, like, I'm terrified, but like, yeah, we're going to talk we about it. You know what I mean? We're going to go we there. did do it, Joe. Um, but like, yeah. It's it's so I I think the politic around like cis passing people on the gender spectrum, particularly like non-binary people, people that don't identify with you know that gender, I think can get really hairy. You know, does, I, yep. I even when we think about like Demi Lovato coming out and like when they did it, it you when you are someone that and I'm just using celebrities because celebrities are easy to poke at. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like you take up so much space yeah. when you do that. And now you're going to be on non-binary panels. Now you're going to be asked to speak on non-binary identity. Now you're going to be all of these things. And that's not necessarily Demi's fault. That is like Mm -hmm. the fault of the culture. But like, it's just, I mean, it's funny because like identity politics is like my whole job, but also it's such a scam. Oh, it's you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and like, that is sorry to Joe it up, but that's all entwined in capitalism, uh-huh. right? Like that is uh-huh. like this, like institutions need to label you so they know how to sell stuff uh-huh. to you, right? Um, right. And so that is, the, I think, another trap um, there in that kind of like you know identifying as anything. But like, I guess when it comes to like uh, you know cis passing people like myself who does not identify with things that I might from an identity that I will still benefit from a hundred percent, like even though I'm a fucking faggot, um, I I still have to acknowledge the space that I take up. Mm-hmm. I still have to lift as I climb, as you talk mm-hmm. about all the time, yep. Joe. Um, and I actually think that, honestly, 
Sam Smith's coming out was a really great example of that. Um, when they posted on Instagram, they said, these are all the trans and gender nonconforming people that have informed who I mm-hmm, am. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they listed like Alok and Monroe, Monroe Bergdorf and like all these people who have informed them. And I think that that is like bringing people up with you and saying, mm-hmm. these are, I, I was just, I didn't just pop mm-hmm. out and say, oh, I, I figured it out myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I also think is is going off of what you're saying and what Teebs is saying. It's not chill to be like I'm not a man, uh, but still engage in patriarchal violence. Yep. Still mm-hmm. do the things that define manhood, which is try to have power over, trying to control, trying to manipulate, trying to hoard resources. Um, this sort of bullshit chivalry, imagining other people can't protect themselves. Uh, you know, so disidentifying with manhood, but not taking patriarchy out of yourself mm. is is insufficient. Uh, and and it's not just for, it. for me. It's not just about okay. So I don't identify with manhood. I don't want to have power over people. I don't want to do violence to them. Uh, it, so that's okay. A one step. I'm I'm going to try to dis disinvest from uh, power over. But how do I actually try to? spend my life restructuring society such that manhood doesn't exist anywhere wow. and and no one can have power over and no you know abolish cisness abolish manhood mm-hmm. not just in myself so how can i uh, create loving communities where these identities don't hold any power yeah. um and I, I you know i think that is a process of constantly working on that exactly. that is not something and so that's the thing is identity is it's it's not a fixed thing even in that if you want to be not a man you have to constantly be working on undoing the violence that manhood does everywhere all the time it is a daily project to to undo that shit and to undo other men's ability to have power over and to restructure your life and your community and your society such that manhood isn't a thing and then like and it's like you're doing it on this individual level but then taking into account the whole of society who still believes a certain way that by 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 becoming more yourself you are then the subject of violence right Mm -hmm. totally and you 100 percent put yourself in in a position to receive violence right Uh, especially in our our youth we all experience this we were all received violence by not adhering to the expectations of boyhood or manhood. Right. And All and we are signing up for that mm-hmm. by living our lives the way we do. Right. And I think it's important to clear, or rather I'll ask you to, to clarify, like when, when you say like abolish manhood, you're talking about like the toxicity that comes with it. Like I'm thinking of my trans masculine friends yeah. that might like be listening to this podcast and think like, well, that's not right. But like we are talking about, like, like you're talking about like how the, the kind of expectation mm-hmm. of that, that I, the expectations that come with manhood are I, a big part of the problem. I'm not talking about butchness. Yeah, and I think butchness can be inhabited by any type of body. Yeah, uh, what I'm talking about is investment in patriarchy and the relationship yep. to capitalism and the ability of men to harm. Yeah, uh, and hoard, uh, and and that that is inextricable to me from manhood. Yeah. It just you cannot take it out of it. Um, and I have butch moments. I like being butch. I love changing a tire on a car. I love, you know, there are things I that I'm like this. I'm I'm invested. In. I love. I that know I, you drove I, me here, I, Joe. I almost died. <laughs> You're very butch driver. <laughs> I'm like a beep, beep, a beep beep. But um, no, I mean it's it is um, it's about so much more than identity. It's about yeah. restructuring shit, and and that to me is where it takes it from something that capitalism is comfortable with, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. codifying, naming, and then like you're saying, friends selling to to something that that destabilizes the 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 ability of capitalism to exist. <laughs> mm. God willing. <laughs> 
I'm feeling like I'm full, but I could fit one more thing inside of me. Den is how I feel. Service our cherry on top this week. Well, <laughs> y'all, um, this is our first um, episode of season five. The year is 2021. Um, can you believe it? Of can our Lord and Savior Simone Biles, and there will be, there's supposed to be an Olympics this year, the Tokyo Olympics. And allegedly. so, um, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, we're still a couple of months out. Um, hope and pray to God that the that the Olympics do happen. So my dessert is is the Olympics. I don't oh, know. Yes. I haven't talked about this much at length, but I am a super super nerd freak. I'm obsessed with the Olympics. Oh, it's you the like only the Olympics? Sporting I have no idea. Me neither. This is news to me. Wow. It's the only okay, sporting girl. event I care about. I will cancel all manner of plans during those two weeks to watch every event. Um, in I partic- bought cable one year for the for month the of the Olympics just to have what? the Olympics. You like the Olympics I too, Joe? I wow. love awesome. one word for you. Spandex fetish. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, that's right. two words. That's two words. I was like, this is a little borderline patriotic and I'm not here for it. I don't know about that. I root against the Americans always. I just love the bodies. Oh, love Yo, that. the runners bulges. Oh, the yes, <laughs> the runners bulges. And, well, I love the Olympics because it's all as, over. As, it, it's talking about our conversation today. You have every type of different body, and like, like you know, every the gender is so weird at the Olympics, and you have like all different sports yeah. mean different people with different bodies are great at those sports, and I love all of it. Right. Yeah, it's really it's really wild to me because I do think about that a lot too. Like in the last few Olympics, I have thought about that, like the different bodies, the different expressions, and yet like the sports are always it's like male and female, and it's very sort of binary Messy. the way they do it. That's a whole conversation in sports that we know is happening, and that's like a different conversation. But it is fascinating to watch and take part of, yeah. and to even hear athletes' perspectives on it. Um, for me, I really just love the fact that like it's this moment of sort of massive collective global engagement where everyone's involved everyone's interested in watching these people be excellent at these things that they've trained their whole lives to be able to do um of course in the summer olympics my favorite event is the gymnastics i was a gymnast before i was a figure skater um obsessed with simone biles and her um black excellence and in particular i love black excellence in spaces where in the past we've mostly just had caucasian excellence right um which gymnastics is one of those spaces love as, as is you know big little eyes big little uh, eyes uh, <laughs> yeah and the morning show frankly yeah the, the morning, morning show, show. <laughs> yes yes honestly oh and i love God. her but m- many of um reese witherspoon's projects in the past have been you know spaces of white excellence <laughs> um <laughs> we're fine with that um, but yeah, we? the Olympic. Well, yeah, that's a that's a whole conversation. But yeah, the um the bodies and all of the sex that happens in the Olympic Village. I I, oh. I would love to be a fly in the wall. Um, actually, I just love to be there on my ass. Oh. <laughs> no, on your ass. Let's be on honest. Like that's what I would like. Ass. That's what I would like. Um, but yeah, I'm super. I'm just she super need excited pads, for it. Everybody, she, she needs knee pads. pads. She does. <laughs> Um, the diving, I love the diving. Oh, love They're the diving so too. gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just love the fact that that as Americans, like I grew up in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, not a lot of um, sort of racial diversity. Other there were there were some black people there, but not a lot of other races or cultures besides black people and white people. And this was kind of my earliest exposure to seeing people from all over the globe, and just to see them being excellent and being amazing and defying all kinds of like stereotypes was a really important lesson for me. So I just love the sort of global aspect of it, even though I will say my nationalistic fervor does come out when I'm watching oh, the Olympics. Dang. It's the mm-hmm. only time where I am like really intensely rooting for the United States. Oh, I'm just dang. wondering if, if, if this Olympics will have me a little bit triggered because 
summer 2016 was the last time we had the Summer Olympics. Oh. Yeah. And that was a spicy summer. That was, that a, was spicy a spicy summer. summer. Yeah. Spicy oh. a meatball. Including, including the summer, that's the summer that we all met. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. true. That summer is the summer that we met. Um, well, you know, they're also, because of COVID and what's happening in Tokyo, they're like not going to have spectators from other countries. Mm-hmm. I think they may have Japanese spectators um, at this point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that changes, given what's happening in Tokyo. But right now they're not. And that's going to be really interesting and kind of weird, I think, to like watch all these things happening in like virtually empty arenas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Fran, do you have a, f- a favorite Summer Olympic sport? Uh, no. <laughs> Next question. Um, no, I just I think my one important aside is that um, Atibs came into the studio with a giant notebook and opened it up, and there's one note on the page, <laughs> one note, one singular note on the page for this record, which and? is wet bulges. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that you know, she came prepared. You can see so much. That's what I was. That's what I was working my way towards. Um, I I think my first crush, like my first. Olympic crush was on Dominique Dawes mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And it's you know the, the you look you... like a Carrie Strug girl to be honest. With I you. I mean she's Complete the one with, with the, the ankle. lesbian haircut. She's yeah. the one with the ankle break, mm-hmm. right? I mean the the Williams sisters have always kicked ass at the Olympics, and I love watching that. It's just it's a great. When yeah. I mm-hmm. was young, it was those like extremely short like ginger twins. Who are they? Oh the, yes, gym, yes. The the, 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 the gymnast boys. Gymnast. The, yes, the Homs. Yes, yes. The Hall and Morgan Hom. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, st- they were kind of my, they were, my desire is decolonized now. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, very, they're very like Wisconsin meaty men. That's that's I a, also that's an love a compact car. Let me tell you. Mm. I just I just love a little guy with a full trunk. You do. You do love a trunk. The white men with giant asses are dangerous <laughs> oh yes I, yes i am right here friend no no no, <laughs> that no, is, no, no, no. my all my covid weight went right to my booty yeah i also love i'm sorry i love the olympics because they gave me michael phelps I oh, oh Dan. i'm sorry no, i'm still Dan. a little basic i love him i don't love ryan lochte though that's where she draws the line <laughs> <laughs> like this side of Colin Powell. <laughs> Dan would absolutely fuck Colin Powell. Bye. If you like this convo, you can go back and listen to other episodes that share the same topic. Check out Bye Bye Binary for a conversation on gender with guests Alok Vade Menon and Men Are a National Problem. True. Really True. great episode yeah. title. <laughs> a convo on masculinity with Thomas Page McBean. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home, the drag Stitcher. Queen. That's right. We are a network slot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just hopping all the way across all these networks. Yes. Our producer is the butchest thing about this podcast, Alexandra De Palma. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes, or Den starts multitasking. Oh, oh. please, please. We, that, you do sure not want to live in a world where I multitask. She cannot. She cannot. She can't. Uh, I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Instagram at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E E B S. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. Mm, I'm Fran. You can follow me at Fran Squishco on Twitter and Instagram, and you'll find my newsletter there as well. Mm. And I'm Den Michelle, and 
my social media will soon be changing. So just be a sexy little thought and pay attention. Stay tuned. Pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) You can also subscribe to our brand new and improved newsletter at foodforthought.substack.com for some extra delectable content. Find us on Instagram at Gay Sluts Who Read or Gay Sluts Horad, however you read that. And join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. Finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics. Dick pics. I would like to see some dick pics, okay? It's been a lonely year. I am <laughs> truly deprived. <laughs> you can send them to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thought spelled how? T-H-O-T. In unison, bitch. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.